Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or indeed the game too seriously. But I do take Tim Cocker very seriously. Hello, Tim. How are you? I take myself very seriously, JB. Oh, here he is. He means business. (laughs) Yes, uh, I'm here. How are things with you, mate? Where are you? I'm good. I'm in Frey Juice, Frey Juice, um, which is on the Côte d'Azur still. Halfway back from Nice to Marseille. And... It's kind of been a cloudy, rainy day, actually. Now, so just your vegetating a bit. Your bottle collection must be massive by now. I've not done it, Jay. Oh, it's so upsetting. I know, I know. Well, there's still time. But, yeah, well, and I'm going up through wine region uh, in the next few days. I'll be going up uh, to, um, through the Rhone Valley and Saint Etienne, Lyon. Rhone, that way. Rhone Valley. Who who played for Rhone? Carl Ferns played for Rhone, and do you know who he plays for now? Uh, Carl Ferns is still playing. He's still playing. Disby Talk H. He's not, well, I mean, we would have him, you know, alongside our new future prop, Jake Cooper Woolley. Yeah, we'd have them, sure. Is he playing at Bladen? I'm just trying to think places near. Ah, that's a great guess. No, but I think there is a Ferns playing at Bladen. Uh, I think his son is playing at, or was playing at Bladen. No, Uh. no, he's playing at the club which was formerly inhabited by another friend of the pod, Tom Brady. Any any clues? Sale FC. Carcassonne. Carcassonne, wow. Yeah. And I think I think he's with Gary Graham there. Where is Carcassonne? I will just have a look. Is that is that near anywhere that I'll be? Um Carcassonne. I don't actually know where that is. No, I, have a look. I think it's south, but I, I, I was going to get my guess would be sure. southwest. That's where most rugby is. Yeah, it's down there near Toulouse, Perpignan way. Ah, there you go. Just stop, stop by, go and see him. Yeah, yeah. Might be a little out of my way to be honest. That's one thing about the Rugby World Cup. Man, it is spread out. France yeah. is a ginormous country. It is huge, isn't it? Yeah, and as much as um, you know, it's it's a great gig, and I'm not I'm not suggesting anyone gets a violin out for the journalists but <laughs> spare, spare a small thought for the folks uh, the journalists who are basically following England's every move who have to bounce between Latouke right up on the north coast and like Marseille and just jump around all over the shop craziness isn't it absolute craziness yeah. but imagine if it was held in like the USA these uh, I don't know if that'd be better or worse actually because France is massive but it's small enough to be connected by road Whereas the United States is so massive, say if you base yourself in Atlanta, you just fly out of Atlanta, don't you, to another hub city and all the transport links work to the stadium. So it might actually be better in a bigger country than it is in France. 
Yeah, quite possibly, actually. Yeah, I think that's a good point there. Hmm. But no, I'm having a great time. Like I say, it's been a, just a very much a, a, down de- a down day. I mean, as in just not doing anything because um, it's been raining. It's been quite nice just catching up on a bit of life admin, doing some work, doing planning some routes and stuff and getting properly hyped for this weekend's games whilst watching Uruguay v Italy. Excellent. Well, before we get on to anything else, Tim, I'm going to ask you one more question about your trip. Have you met anyone of note yet, either um, listener or egg chaser player or a player? Uh, yes, met um, met Hugo. Lovely. Friend of the pod, uh, egg chaser's top, team member. Top try scorer. Top try scorer at the North Dorset Sevens. General all-round top bloke. And yeah, so I met him. Uh, narrowly missed a few of the other boys who are in Nice now, um, watching who were watching the Uruguay Italy game. I met a, a number of people in media rooms. Um, Tom May, I, I seem to be following him around. <laughs> and, nice. Um, oh, oh, who did I meet the other day? Um, Chris Ashton and Jim Hamilton. Oh, awesome! Yeah. So it's Jim. Yeah. Oh, yeah, one, wonderful. I stuff. had to. Do, I had to do a bit of thing for work and get get a. Sh- get a shirt out and um, get them to sign it for a charity thing, which is always weird. It's a weird thing to do when you're chatting to someone and then just go, look, can you can you just sign the shirt? <laughs> I've never got enough credit in the bank. Yeah, exactly right, mate. Exactly right. Well, before you tell me all about the things which you've done and... Oh, hang on. Whoops, I had a clip lined up there. Um, I'm just going to tell you where you can find, find Egg Chasers and how to contact us. We are notionally on Twitter. You can download us on any great podcast provider. And if you want to contact us, the only way to do so now, pretty much, is by email. Contact eggchasers at gmail.com. We read your emails all the time and we absolutely love them. And if you love us, you can subscribe to Patreon too, where you get loads of bonus content. And we'll do something probably this weekend because we've got a lot of topics that are getting under our skin. And yes. we really need to get, you know, get them off our chest and mix our metaphors. And can I just mention, speaking of the emails that are coming into contact, at gmail.com, the number of emails we got absolutely loving Phil on the last episode and suggesting that please, can it, in fact, I've got one here from Dan, Dan Armistead, who says, uh, love the pod blart. Please, could it be a prerequisite of all future pod recording sessions for Phil to consume <laughs> ten, 10 pints of beer beforehand? <laughs> So some of his interjections during the latest episode had me laughing out loud in the gym, not least his pirate impression when agreeing with JB about Fiji one hour, 11 and 50 seconds, if you're interested. Yes. Well, so on this, I would say I've spent about half of my drunken life with Phil. So the half, like whilst I've been on this planet, half of it whilst I've been drunk is on, is with Phil. I'd say the other half somewhere else, a wonderful, wonderful drinking buddy, maybe, Maybe the best that there is, right? However, I was very annoyed with him when he showed up. Absolutely smashed before the England <laughs> game. And it was jarring because he's a different Phil. And the only way I can describe it is, do you know when you're a kid and, like, your mum changes her hair and you're about five and it, 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 it affects you emotionally <laughs> for a day and a half? That's how it felt podcasting with Phil. Like, he wasn't the rock steady hand on the tiller that he normally is. But, you know, we held it together. Oh, it was great. When I when I listened back, obviously, because I could only make a kind of a cameo, it was uh, very, very entertaining. <laughs> so um, really, really enjoyed it. So I guess you've just watched the Italy-Uruguay game. Correct. Tell me what your thoughts were, because I've only watched half of it. And the reason I've only watched half of it is because I was an hour behind, and Phil ruined it for me by texting me the score. So I, then... think, he, 
I think he probably saved you 40 minutes of your life there. Oh, or really? Say, not 40 minutes, an hour of your life. Because well, the, the first thing to say was the number of TMO interventions and the, the time that the game took was phenomenal, particularly that first half, actually. But um, no, it was... It looked like we were having the story of the World Cup unfold before our eyes. At one point, Uruguay was 17-7 up. Yes, so I got to 60 minutes before Phil ruined my day. Or 50 minutes. Yeah, well, it, it, I, I lost count of how many points Italy got in the end, but they, they won heavily in the end. So it was a... 32, wasn't it? Like 34, it's in the 30s I, I, I to 17, they, I think they it? scored. I think they scored over 30 second-half points. Um. And Uruguay got nothing. So now, now maybe, yeah. maybe my reaction to this game is because I was hoping for more, and also maybe Uruguay flattered to deceive against France, or maybe France underestimated Uruguay. And I did get a sneaky suspicion that a tier one team, which Italy notionally is, but on the lower end of tier one, might take the threat of Uruguay a lot more seriously than France, a lot more seriously. So I think I'm disappointed because actually it did turn out to be exactly what historically this game would have been, which is a tier one team handily beating a tier two team or an emerging well, nation. Well, we have to remember where Uruguay have come in the last 20 years. And the, these things happen over a long time horizon. Yeah. And it, when England won the World Cup in 2003, they scored 111 points against Uruguay. Wow. So really, if you actually draw a graph of the trajectory of where Uruguay are versus where they have been in the past, it's it's quite a steep curve. Yeah, They are much, much, much more competitive than they ever have been. And they've got some genuinely really good players. So Santiago Arata, we've talked about before, but their flanker, um, I think it was their blindside, Ar- Ardao was his name? Yeah, that's the boy. My goodness me, the number of turnovers he got. Highly Their intelligence impressive. at the breakdown was brilliant. Yeah, they're a good team. Tom Shanklin said something on comms, and I thought, God, that's actually quite a profound thought when you, when you go through it, which is they're just not very good in the air, like catching balls. Um, and I thought, Christ, yes, another thing you've got to be great at. So like, if you are wanting to be a really top team now, your set piece has got to be on point, your handling's got to be on point, your defensive structure's got to be on point. Now you've got to be on point with your kick receipts and your fielding of balls like the, the list of things you have to be good at in international rugby is just never ending. And yet, you know, here they are. They were competitive. You're absolutely right to point that out. But ultimately, they just weren't competitive enough, were they, to make this as compelling as we were hoping it would be? Yeah, correct. Uh, I think also, I think Italy would look at their first half performance. And, you know, I've had a few days now since England, Japan. Mm. And whilst I'm, I'm still not... Uh, this is the context of England is that it's been four four years of having a miserable time watching my country play. It's been horrible to watch for four years. Yeah, and actually, it's possibly got worse to watch. Brilliant uh, under Steve Borthwick, just as a pure spectacle, winning games, mind you. So, uh, but um, but when I watched Italy in the first half, I did have to sort of reflect and think. Maybe this is why teams don't just lob it around. That is such a good point. That is exactly the thought that I had. Exactly the thought. I was like, hey, uh, you know, this is this is what it costs you. Because I looked at the Italy back line, I thought, oh, here we go. This is going to be great. Um, Alan, Gobisi, um, your boy at fullback, which is like, so they're playing this new attacking structure. And I think you're right, Tim. This is exactly, you, you've nailed it. This is exactly why you don't mess around in your own half. Even against low, like, emerging nations. 
Yeah, and they did it in the first the first attack Italy did from inside their own twenty two. They gave away a penalty, and if if Echeverry had his kicking boots on, it would have been it would have been twenty three seven at half time. Yeah, because he missed two very very kickable kicks because Italy were trying to play in their own twenty two. So I, I have to accept that there is a balance to and actually as Phil points out many many times France kick a lot New Zealand kick a lot Ireland kick a lot South Africa kick a lot um it's just actually when so it's it's that so I I have a simple thing when I coach whether it's the under 16 kids or wherever whenever it's been in my in my life get out get in get over so when you're in your own half, get out of your own half. Okay. When you when you're in their half, get into the twenty two. Yeah. When you're in the twenty two, get over the line. Works for me. Works for me very well. I, I like that. And actually, um yeah, I guess that's what you've got to do at international do you level. Use, do you use for kids cock over ball? I don't but you, if you want to explain, I, I think they're now. I think they're now fifteen, sixteen. I could probably do that <laughs> and not face any repercussions. I think that would be okay. Cock over ball is just the the best way to describe <laughs> where you should be positioned over the ball within a ruck. Get your cock yep. over the ball. Cock over yep. ball. Cock over ball. I, I agree. There are other ones so, that I know about, but I, I think we'd get cancelled if I started t- telling you those regarding line out lifting. Yeah, well, we, we definitely get cancelled if if we described some of the things that go on <laughs> in, in, like one of the things that went on in that Broughton Park changing room Absolutely. when someone brought a slab of beers in after never a happened. red hot red hot sweaty day and said right drink a beer like this no no never happened um, yeah you, the point you make is great about Italy and I think what does it prove it proves that rugby is a game of balance you know if you kick too much people know how to deal with that if you attack too much people know how to deal with that you've got to pick your moments haven't you you've got to pick your moments it's a game of balance yeah, absolutely. So as as we look ahead to this weekend, then uh, I, I think that the big story that's got tongues wagging and everyone's talking about because partly because South Africa named their side so early, but not only have they named their side early, they named it yesterday evening. They've also gone with the seven-one split, which we thought we may never see again. But here it is: yes, seven legit, forwards, legit, and one back on the bench. Yeah. Um, why might this be? I wonder. So. South Africa like to ruffle a few feathers. Now, I assumed that when they did it first time, it was like, okay, well, it's not a tier one nation they're going against. Did they do it against Scotland? Have I made that up? Or no, is they, it... they did it against New Zealand, and they had an injury. That's and then they, right. They had an injury. They had a 6-2 split, had an injury, and put, can't remember, Quagga Smith on the bench. I can't remember yeah. who it was they put on the bench, but they put an extra forward on the bench. Yeah, Quagga Smith it was. So, um, uh, yeah, that's, that's why I'm thinking it was a big team, but somehow not serious. Because it was a warm-up game. That's why. So you assume, like, okay, well, they just need to make up, make up the numbers. I wonder if they found this out by accident. Like, completely by accident. Hey, look, that, that worked. We battered the All Blacks. Let's do it again. And what I love about having Quagga Smith on the bench is the amount of violence that you can unleash. And where he tends to unleash his violence is actually out wide. So, yeah, he's still in the pack. I don't think they're going to play him in, play him in the backs. But the violence that he brings to those areas is just phenomenal. I love it. I think they must be prepared to play him in the backs. They must have practiced and and gone through scenarios where he's in the backs because I, I can't imagine you would name seven forwards on the bench and not have gone through the uh, the scenario where two or more backs are off the field. Yeah, it's an interesting one. What would you do with him? Because like I said, well, he is a se- he has got a sevens background, so I imagine he's got the skills and gas to to be a back. Uh, it's difficult, isn't it? Because 
where does he play in the pack? So he plays on the flank and he generally plays out wide in those wider channels. I've mentioned how much I love his approach to the game. 13 might be a bit of an ask because of the defensive frailties that might uh, present themselves. As, as quick and as effective as he is, 13 is really difficult. Probably move him into 12. Yeah, but I I think this is going to be the story of rugby in the next four years is this move to... Uh, and actually, to be fair, first person that was really talking about this was Eddie Jones years ago. He was talking about it in relation to players like Jack Knoll. But you're going to see... You're going to see systems and and tactics where the number on a back is kind of irrelevant. And you want you can use the phrase total rugby. I don't know, but I think this is going to be the way rugby moves in the next four years. Because really, the only time when it's going to matter where Quagga Smith is on the field is at scrums and line out when you're marking the opposition. And defensively, yeah, open play makes no difference, does it? I think that's right. Open play, they may actually have things up their sleeve where having nine forwards on the pitch, they can create a new type of pod structure. I don't know. I, I've, I've no, no idea. Reason. I'm looking forward to seeing. But There's no reason why, no reason no, why not, is there? 3-3-3? Three, three, three. No, no reason why not. Hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting. No, I, I, I hope that's the idea. I hope they've not just come across it by accident and thought, oh, yeah, okay, let's stick with it. I hope they've really but, thought it through and gone, yeah. But you what you something. talk about with the players coming off the bench, the last 20 minutes, I'm imagining Marco van Staden, Dion Faree, and Quagga Smith on the field, they are going to just go and try and ruin Ireland's breakdown. They are. And Ireland are a team very, very fit who tend to put teams away in the last twenty minutes when it when it's when they get tired. That is the that is going to be the test, isn't it? I, I I'm so fascinated to see how this goes and that injection of just pure it was quite because in the New Zealand game they brought all seven forwards on at once if you remember did they looking at the sideline yeah looking at the sideline and seeing seven forwards run out onto the pitch completely fresh and right I love it you know like why not try something you know why it, it it's such a such a tough game such a hard competition to win why not try something completely unusual there was a quote from the Welsh team under Graham Henry which is you can God, this is going back. I read this in school. This is in a magazine in school when you had to read rugby magazines. And the interview said something like, you can either do it and copy somebody else or you can do it entirely differently. And I'm massively a fan of doing it entirely differently. So I hope it works. I really hope it works. Well, 6-2 splits have become fairly commonplace and that was that was a new innovation at one point. And players like Seku Makalu are massively valuable as a result because they enable that that versatility so you've always talked about front row players being able to play absolutely positions and also um uh, uh, people are starting to have conversations like why does the hooker need to be the one that throws in finally finally why yeah why makes no sense they used to be wingers you could be an incredible scrummager and then your throwing lets you down, and then all of a sudden you're not in the team. I tell you who really suffered with this, who was a great rugby player. Dave Ward? Yes, Dave Ward's a great example. I was thinking of um, Cam Neild. Yeah. I mean, Cam Neild is a superb rugby player, um, and he found himself just not being able to get in a hooker because he, he just couldn't throw. You used to hear Steve Diamond, I literally hear Steve Diamond going mental, saying, why are we throwing to the back when Cam's on the field? That is a... That is an indict. That is not a um, a kind indictment. Yeah, that's not. So I mean, but but and it is a closed motor skill. So it's something you can work on. But then, uh, by the same token, it's something 
anyone can work on. An open side flanker could work on. Yeah, exactly. A loose head prop could work on. What? Why not? Why not have these skills in your squad and and in your armory so that you just give your team that extra flexibility? Particularly now, I think with a hooker position, now that actually hooking isn't a part of it. That like I've played hooker and actually physically hooking the ball with your foot. It's not really is, a thing, is it? It, well, it's not really a thing now, but it is really horrible and hard to do when you've got a tough scrummage. It's just getting your leg off. It's, it's like you're um, going against like gravity. It's like you're in five Gs or something. Of, of I'm trying to remember the scrum. Maybe it's Saracens Exeter. I'm sure it was. Oh, it Exeter. just stayed still and no one hooked it. Yeah, it was marvelous. Yeah. Just a yeah. completely static scrum with the ball in the middle, and the referee let it play. Nobody went down because it's like the. I yeah. think the ball didn't go past the twenty-two, so they restarted the game, the very start of the game, with a scrum. Yeah, that rings about Christ. Yeah, that why don't we about. do? Why don't we start every game with a scrum? Why don't we start every game with a scrum? What a great why way not? to start the game. Like, Better than a kickoff. You, you win the toss, as in, like, what end do you want, or do you want to put have the ball in, put put the ball into the scrum? What a statement of intent that is. Forget the hacker for like the opening sequence. You want to see your big boys fresh scrummaging. Oh, oh why has no one but, asked but me maybe, about this before? Maybe the ref puts the ball in so it goes right down the middle. Oh, imagine. imagine that's how they start <laughs> the game. No, because you're open to accusations of not rolling it straight yeah. or something. How about this? How about this? Maybe the ball's on the centre spot. Yes, that's what I was going to say And then next. the ref blows the whistle and it's go. Yes, ball <laughs> on the middle, go. Oh, this is great. This is one of the great innovations <laughs> rugby's ever heard of. Now, let's just move this on slightly. Have you heard Matt Williams's, Matt Williams on some radio show somewhere having, yeah. a, a, having a pop about this? I haven't heard the latest one because when you mentioned this before the pod, I was like, oh, no, I heard that. That was, that was when they did it back in August. The man's unhinged. Like, no, no, no. This is, this is a new one. Yeah. So he had, a, he had a rant about it. Now, uh, just to be balanced, I really like Matt Williams as a pundit. I think he's really good. I've got to say, I, I think he's unhinged, but he is entertaining. On this particular point, he is unhinged. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to swerve away from saying that. I'm just providing a bit of balance. Going generally, I think he's on the money with most things. I really like him as a pundit. Yeah, and I like guys. No, I don't get his fixation with this. Keith Wood was the same. Um, Keith Wood was on. I listened to him earlier today, and he was he, he was against it in August, and he's he's saying, "Oh, World Rugby need to come in and change the rules after the World Cup. It's what, legal now, so fine, but it's got to change. This isn't right." Okay. Okay, okay. so we're going to look at this in two ways. So first of all, Matt Williams is saying that the amateurs will copy the pros and someone will become a paraplegic. And he told a story about his friend that's paraplegic, and that's tragic, right? It's absolutely tragic, but I don't think you should be um, using your paraplegic friend who sadly passed away later in order to prove your point. That's why we don't use anecdotes when trying to prove evidence. Like, it's just an anecdote. And maybe he had a point about, you know, the scrimmaging needed to be safer, but that's a scrimmaging point. And... He's saying that now, in the amateur levels, they're going to see seven forwards all coming on, I'll be a fresh scrum, and then some proper injuries back, injuries neck. Well, I don't know what the structure is in Australia, but certainly the amateur level that I play at, you can only have three replacements. You used to have five replacements. Yeah. What difference does it make? And equally, and particularly at amateur levels, it's incredibly hard to get eight competent forwards on the field, yeah. let alone have seven very good ones that you can bring off the bench. So, 
and to dovetail with that, Keith Wood's point was it's unfair because it it un, it, un, it gives an unfair advantage to countries like South Africa who have lots of big players. I disagree. I think it is easier to find big men than train some of these guys to the skill levels that you can find in a New Zealand backline or an Australian backline. You know, if you want to find big, strong men, look at Georgia. I mean, I'm pretty sure that it would benefit Georgia to go with this sort of thing because they, they breed massive men for fun. Uh, so I, I don't agree with that one bit. No matter no, what and, you do. And also the whole point of rugby is it's kind of like games of chess, or it's, or it's probably more accurately, it's like judo. Yes. You can use someone's perceived strength as a weakness. You can use their own, you can use their own um, force against them. Yeah, there's count counter levers and 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 things like that, and and in r- rugby's exactly the same. So you just come up with a tactic which makes these big men move around more. Yeah, and also, you know, the seven one. It's not unfair. It's just different. There are no solutions. There are only trade offs. So this will cost them something. Now, what yeah. that something will be, I don't know. But if you want to reinvent it, I mean, also, okay, here's the second point which I was going to make. Also, what if the player is a genuine? Swing player, like Makalu, genuinely plays in, plays in the backs. What are you going to do about that? How do you regulate against a guy who legitimately can play on the wing and yep. flanker? And what if his primary position is actually a winger? Just makes yeah, it, and, makes yeah. Sense. No, I agree, and it's it's crazy to try and legislate it because it could totally backfire. You're talking about the advantages that South Africa are getting from it. Here's here's a negative: they've decided not to put Andre Pollard. Uh, on the bench, who's available again now. Yep. So, Marnie Libok has an absolute shocker with the boot. They've got no one that they can bring on. They, yeah. they, 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 all they can do is go, Faf, can you try and see if you can goal kick any better? And he's not a great goal kicking He's team. okay. He's okay he's for okay. So, so, if it's a tight game and it comes down to fine margins and the odd goal kick, it could totally blow up in South Africa's face. Yeah, yeah. And if there's a team that will find a hole in this, it'll be Ireland. Yeah, it is. It is a massive test of Ireland. It, and what, what's? I think this is a, an unbelievable move by Razi Erasmus because, in the sense that and Jacques Nienaber, in the sense that everyone's talking about this, and loads of Irish fans are now going, "Oh, should we go for a six-two split just to try and combat this?" Yeah, and it, it's now the conversation's happening all on South Africa's terms. Oh yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I love it as well because Ireland will be saying to themselves, "We just focus on us, boys." But the mere fact that you're saying let's focus on us means you're not focused on us, isn't it? I, it's it's a massive tell. So, yeah, I love the 7-2 split. I think, Tim, I think outside of the final, this might be the game of the tournament. I think this may well be the final as well. Yeah, the, well, yeah, it could be the final mark one, certainly. I think I think so this will certainly the winner, be the game of the tournament the, the so winner far. Will play in, the winner of this game, you would imagine... Although Scotland could beat Ireland, of course. But you would imagine the winner of this game will play New Zealand and the loser will play France. Who would you prefer to play out of those two? Uh, you mean New Zealand or France? Yeah. I would rather play New Zealand. But there again, it depends who I am, right? So, South Africa, would they rather New Zealand or France? I think they'd rather New Zealand. Ireland, I think they might prefer France think but i'm not entirely sure i think both would probably edge for new zealand purely because the game is in france and also the the irish do have that psychological edge of being in new zealand and beating them over a three test tour 
not this summer, but last summer. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, New Zealand looked like the weak link, actually. Yeah, target New Zealand. We get Ireland's team tomorrow. They're, they're going to go all out. On for this one, they, they, they've got they're going to go full ball. This is absolutely huge, and outside of the Lions, this is the biggest international game since the World Cup final. Now, when you say full ball, what do you think they're going to go for? Like, do you think Johnny Sexton is a is a definite shoe in? Like, yeah, do you think absolutely? Like, He's been playing really well. Like, where do they go with the centres? What are they going to do? Bundyaki will have the twelve shirt over Gary Ringrose. It will be completely as you were in the back three, obviously. So that's your backline pick. Jameson Gibson Park will come back in at nine. Connor Murray's been playing really well. He'll he'll. Cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Be on the bench. Mm-hmm. And the, the big question is what do they do in the back row? Do you go for what they did against Romania where Tyg Byrne was on the flank and Peter Romani was seven and you had Joe McCarthy in so it's a slightly bigger set pack with Josh van der Fleer, 30 minutes off the bench just Crikey. to come and wreak havoc. You need Josh van der Fleer starting. I, I think you need him starting. I would. Caelan Doris is, is some unit. Yeah. So I would. I, th- I think it will be Omani uh, and van der Fleer on the flanks and Tigburn in, in second row. Doris at eight? Um, Doris at eight, yeah. I agree. And um, then everything, it all picks itself. Finley Bealham is fit and available. One other big question for Ireland is Dan Sheehan is fit. Do you like Herring and Kelleher have been doing just fine? I think just go for it, just roll the dice, just get get Sheen in there. Dan Sheen's a boy, he's the he's absolute the boy. boy, isn't he? He's throwing in. Yeah. Like, this is this is why you take big players for big games. Yeah, and I think that just all, all else being equal, I think possibly Johnny Sexton being fit, available, and looking like he's playing really well. Number one, and number two, Marks being out and Sheen being in they're the two best hookers in the world I think this just tips the balance ever so slightly in Ireland's favour oh I don't know I the one prediction I'm going to make is I don't think it's going to be close I think one team will fix because there's different approaches going on here and because South Africa are looking very unusual it's going to go one of two ways there's going to be a, a fairly comfortable Ireland win or a fairly comfortable South Africa win and I don't know which one it is what you're not going to get I don't think is an edgy game which is decided in the last 10. and the, or Maybe it is decided in the last 10, but you know, when I say it's decided in the last 10, the game will finish more than more than two scores because I just well, think I, these two teams are so different. I think Scotland will be happy if that's the case because I, I'm, I'm kind of looking at this and thinking if, one, if the losing team gets a losing bonus point, I think basically Scotland are cooked. Hmm... Because Scotland haven't got a losing bonus point against South Africa, South Africa, but they've got to go up against Ireland next. Tonga on Saturday, 
Yeah. Oh. Or Sunday? Is it Sunday evening? Oh, yeah, it's, it's Sunday, isn't it? I yeah. can't remember. It's, it's the evening game on one of the days. I think it's Sunday. Um, Scotland play Tonga on Sunday, and then they go up against Romania, and then in the final pool game they play Ireland. Okay. So, so Ireland. If Ireland get a losing bonus point, I mean, if either team gets two bonus points, try bonus point and a losing bonus point, Scotland are done. I think. So there's two points of reference that I'd like to refer you to now. How Ireland beat France, which was really impressive in the Six Nations. Yeah. That was really impressive. But also, how Leinster lost to La Rochelle. I think both of these things are relevant. France are massive, La Rochelle are massive. One was a win, one was a loss. And I just wonder if this South Africa pack and what they have you know, backing them up off the bench might tip the balance. But more importantly, it's a concoction of the huge pack, the, the, the violent replacements... But then the absolute sublime skill in the backline, which I think is unmatched even by France's backline at the moment. That, I think, is going to be the difference. Because it's one thing getting your line broken, it's one thing getting beaten up or being in a, mass, being in a bit of a street fight. But then having to deal with those South African backs, I think that's going to be the difference. Yeah, for all the talk about the forwards, it'll be the backs that made the difference. They've got incredible wheels. I think what Ireland's backline have got is outstanding rugby brains on them. Matt Hansen, more and more, is such a smart rugby player, and he's being used more and more as a playmaker. Hugo Keenan is so... It's just got such a good top two inches. Gary Ringrose is the same. Gary Ringrose is incredibly... I mean, I, I think James Lowe is undervalued. People criticise James yeah, Lowe for not, for not being quick enough, for not being the finisher. He's bloody strong, and he's got that second kicking option... I think he's a really valuable piece. But I don't think man for man they're as physically gifted as the South Africans. I don't think they're as fast or as powerful or as elusive. Oh, Bunyaki, the way he's playing. He is powerful. He, he's, he's not pair, elusive, pair, though, is he? Of the tournament. he, he I mean, he will find you. That, yeah, if you had to pick a player of the tournament right now, maybe purely because Bottier and Tuasova only started one, one of the two games, it would be Bundyaki. I'm just not sure that the power centre, the powerful centre, is really the way to go against South Africa. Either in a matchup against their centres or against the rest of the team. That's the only thing I'd say. Like his skills could easily be negated by the qualities of, of that South Africa side. Yeah, but it's it's so. Oh, it's, it, so the way South Africa's defence against Scotland was so impressive. Yes, it was, and and oppressive. It was just in Finn Russell's face straight away, and. I expect Ireland to have really, really come up with a plan mm. to combat that. But, yeah. And the threat of Bundyaki is a massive part of it. It may may not be him actually carrying the ball, but the threat of him will keep keep them honest. And uh, oh, it's, it's, I cannot wait for this game. It's going to be cannot some. wait for this game. It's going to be something. It's going to be quite something. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, every time you think about something, like, oh, Ireland are very cohesive. But it doesn't mean South, South Africa are not cohesive. I don't know a good defensive team. Oh, by the way, so are South Africa. Really good, yeah. actually. Really, really good. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be intense. And I, I, I cannot wait. And the, then that's just... Uh, that's the Saturday night. The Sunday night game to round off the weekend is box office as well. Two teams that are in very different places in terms of cohesion and fo- and form. and and um, uh, But... Are, will again potentially cancel each other out and go into a proper bun fight to 
potentially this this feels like an elimination match because of the two bonus points that Fiji got losing to Wales. Australia Wales feels like the loser is done. Oh Christ! So that means that Fiji, Fiji are in the driver's seat, really? Aren't, aren't they? Fiji are on seven points. And providing they, they win, did I mean, they get no... four tries against Australia? Oh, I don't know. Can't remember. I actually don't know. I know Australia didn't get four tries against Fiji. Is that any help? No, and they didn't get, uh, but they did get a losing bonus point, which could be important. I've got a feeling that Fiji kicked quite a lot because I remember just praising their tactical acumen. So the answer is I don't know. But yeah, I think you're right. They, I don't think they did get four tries, but they got two losing bonus points against Wales. Oh, um, wow. Which, and then you look at Wales's score against Portugal and potentially points, if it comes down to points difference, that could bite them in the backside I'm not sure oh yeah yeah um, Fiji only scored two tries uh, three tries oh my god oh, two, two, two tries sorry two second half tries and they got okay and they would have no got... no hold on they only got one try against yeah Australia scored two and uh, that... Fiji scored one yeah if only if only Bottia hadn't dropped the ball if only Radranda hadn't dropped the ball we'd be looking at Fiji with two wins over two tier one teams Cruising into the, I mean, they'd be done now, wouldn't it? It'd be done, but they well, are if, still. Or, or if they'd if they'd selected uh, Kuravoli, um at scrum half because they're kicking the, the number of penalties that Fiji missed in that game against Wales. The t- number of times they went for the mm. corner because they weren't confident in their goal kicker, they would have won the game easily if they'd had a good goal kicker on the field, which they did well, against Australia. Fiji obviously have to overcome Georgia, which is no given, absolutely no. No given. fair. And I suspect they'll be strong favourites against Portugal. But it's in their hands, and that's amazing. Everyone should be supporting yep. Fiji. And they will go up against... Oh, my God, they might go up against England. Uh, if they top the pool, they'll be up against Argentina or Samoa. Oh, wow. Yeah, Which is a game on Friday night. I'll be at that game at St Etienne. So the loser or no, the winner of this knockout game is going to be England's opposition, effectively. Uh, quite possibly, although the bonus points mean it, it, it. I mean, Fiji could still go out. It, this pool, this is the real, this is pool of death more so than Scotland, Ireland, South Africa. It's, it's absolutely crazy. So, um, what do we want? We want a draw, do we? I don't know. I mean, you I, want I'm Fiji be, to go I'm, through? I'm going to be at this game just purely for just ha- a moment, like and a story. One way or the other, or the other, I cannot wait for Eddie Jones's press conference after the game. Judge win me on the World or, Cup, mate. Win or lose, it's going to be judge me on the World Cup. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm going to repeat that back to him. Yes, as you should. Uh, if they lose, if they lose, I can't. Lose. I simply can't call this game. I can't call it. I think these teams are too newly put together. I mean, I can tell you thing, things about individual players and how good they are. I don't think that really helps us decide I think who's going to a massive factor which puts this in Wales's favour is Carter no Will Skelton, no Taniela Tupo. Is that definite? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Then they're not winning. I, yeah. I think that's that's fine. Yeah, I think we can put Australia to bed. Where do their threats come from? Where do they bend the Welsh line? I don't think the Welsh will have any issue stopping them without their well, two. If, if they've got Karevi and Korobetti on the field, they've always got a shot. Yeah, they've got. They can get a try, definitely. And and Noanga Nitawase is. Noanga Nitoase and Corabetti are two awesome wingers. They're good. They are very good. But um, Carter Gordon, I'm not, just not. I'm just not buying it. I, I get I'm not. that maybe in four years' time he might be the boy, 
but this is a World Cup, and there's a reason why Warren Gatland went straight for Dan Bigger yeah, when it re- came to the Fiji game. There's a reason Johnny Sexton's playing on the weekend. Yes. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just a tough one, isn't it? I, I hope, and I'm pretty sure I'm wrong on this, I hope that his career isn't overly affected by this, because you do see guys who are picked at the wrong time of their career shoulder too much burden and never recover from it. I mean, I, you know, the one I think of in England would be um, Charlie Matthew Hodgson. Tate. Oh, well, Matthew Tate's a, a much better one. Yeah, Matthew Tate. Uh, the weight of the world on his shoulders never recovered. Mm. So, uh, yeah. Uh, he never recovered from that Henson hit, did he? No, he really didn't. Like, that was it. He was, at, he was an absolute write-off internationally until maybe the World Cup final. And he got... Yeah, he got to the World Cup final 2007. Then he... So he was like... Um, so, uh, trip down memory lane. You look at that tackle, Tate versus Henson, and you think one of these guys is going to be a world superstar and the other one uh, we'll never see again. Now, as it happened, one of them then went to the World Cup and at that time, I don't think Gavin Henson had played a single World Cup game. I don't think, he, I don't think he's ever played a World Cup game. Yeah, you, w- you wouldn't have imagined the actual story was one of them's going to a World Cup final, one of them's going on The Bachelor. Yeah, exactly right. One of them's going to play for <laughs> Celtic Crusaders. <laughs> So. Yeah, so that, that I, I'm with you. I think Wales are going to are going to win that one. Are going to top the pool, and uh, oh um, uh, no, yeah. If Wales beat Australia, they will top the pool, and England will be playing Fiji. Christ, I mean, can yeah. you think of two more undeserving candidates for a semi-final spot than England and Wales? I really can't. I really. So it will probably really be Wales, Wales, Argentina. So, and England, Fiji. This like this draw is no, 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 bonkers because no. Fiji will finish top. No, Wales will finish top. If Wales beat Australia, yeah. they've beaten Fiji, so they'll finish top. Yeah, so Wales, assuming that they beat yeah, Georgia, yeah, yeah, yeah. which they didn't manage in the autumn. I, I don't think England want to see Fiji again anytime soon, or Wales for that matter. I think they'd rather have Wales than Fiji. Mm. Come on, Fiji, we're all Fijian now. Well, I, as an Englishman, I'm used to nobody having England as their second favourite team. So, you know, it would just be Fiji. Would, again, going up against Fiji will just be a continuation of that. But it will be a box office uh, match-up in Marseille, that one. Well, that's not England true. It will be Fiji. Well, that's, not, be that's not true, Tim, because um, I think there'll be small pockets of Tongans and Samoans that might be supporting uh, England over Yeah, Fiji. possibly. Actually, Charles Piertel, uh, interesting article that I read uh, this week. Charles Piertel pulling back the curtain on life in the Tongan camp and just the differences and you know Charles Piertel's played at some top clubs and yep. he knows what it's like to be looked after he was an all black as well and he said when you go to the all blacks you you could turn up naked and you'd you'd get all the kit you could possibly wear and you'd be given a, a nice new watch as well whereas <laughs> really at, to make sure you can tell the time yeah whereas at Tonga uh, they get one one pair of shorts to train in which they have to wash themselves every night and um, they pay their own <laughs> flights to get to training camps and things right. like that. Well, the flight thing is unacceptable, but let me just dwell on the shorts for a second. Can I say, because it's Tonga, we go, oh, that's awful. How awful? That's just not right. It's like, you know, with women's rugby. Like Every time you ever hear anything about women's rugby, it even sounds remote, only one pair of that's all. They've got to drive to training after work. That's awful, right? If the All Blacks only had one pair of pair of shorts, we'd be saying that is so humble. That is brilliant. Like, what better way to be humble than only having one pair of shorts that you wash yourself? No dickhead cop culture. 
this is an, this is an innovation. Everyone would only be having one pair of shorts. Just because it's Tonga, uh, we make it out to be some yeah some sort uh, of and, something I, else. I take the point. And the other thing, just to sort of back that up, is I know that there is money which is channeled from World Rugby coffers to these unions, so that mm-hmm. the money would be there, I'm sure, to to buy Char- to get Charles Pierce out a second or third pair of shorts. It's just that that money is chosen to be spent in other ways. Yeah, yeah, which um, we'll never really get to to, to the mop bomb, but. There's no, there's no point on. I'd love to see the accounting though. No, you wouldn't. No, that's the, that's that's the exact opposite thing which uh, which anyone from World Rugby, anyone from World Rugby wants to see. Why you, you think they don't want to see it because it would be disastrous? Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. just just keep it quiet. It's fine. Yeah. So, so that, so that's Wales, Australia, um, Scotland play Tonga as I mentioned, and the uh, thing about this is. Scotland are going into a game knowing not just they have to win, they have to win well. Because if they don't get a winning bonus point, if they don't get a good winning margin, they're really up against it. Yeah, you're absolutely right on that. Um, it's very difficult when you're in this situation. I've been in, been in it myself. And you go in thinking you're going to win, and the question you, you ask yourself is, but by how many points? And then you're in a dogfight... And thinking, hang on, are we even going to win this? So yeah, it's it's a tricky position to be in. I think Scotland will have way too much, but it does put a different complexion on the game. Yeah, what else do we have this weekend? Return um, of someone? Is someone returning from a red card? I don't remember. Oh, I think there might be someone returning from a red card. Yeah, England played Chile. Okay, and uh, the, the there's a team been leaked to the Times. To the Times, not the Telegraph. Yeah, not the Telegraph this time. This is why South Africa released their team on a Tuesday because I remember it was during the Lions tour they they kept having their team leaked and just and just went. Do you know what we're gonna we're gonna name our team early in the week because we can't stop the leaks. Yeah. Um, did I didn't Joe Schmidt when he was an Irish island coach try and combat the leaks? Did How? he like release loads of different? fake teams or something to oh, work don't... out who the snitch was. What, like Elon Musk did with his uh, multiple Oh, emails. is that was that Elon Musk, was it? I don't know why I've confused rugby with that. I think maybe when we talked about it... Is it because Joe bought... Smith also owns a rocket company? No, I think it's because you... <laughs> I think you uh, you might have mentioned Elon Musk doing that when we were talking about Ireland when Joe, back in the Joe oh, Smith days. maybe. Maybe. So Elon Musk sent loads of identical emails, but he put, he put different full stops in different places. So when the email came to light, he would know which full stop is in the wrong place and be able to get them all. Wow. Yeah. Don't mess with wow. Elon Musk. Wow, that is genius. Isn't it just? Isn't it just? I like that. So anyway, the the, the leaked team has Owen Farrell at 10, George Ford on the bench, and Marcus Smith at 15. Oh, good. Okay, fine. Um I think Ford's been pretty good so far. I mean, that Argentina it was, game... It was great. It was fantastic against Argentina. I didn't think he was great against Japan, but he was excellent against Argentina. Yeah, he was, wasn't he? Um, don't know really what to think about that. Yeah, fine. Fine. Throw Farrell back in. I so, think if it was a big game, I'd stick with Ford. Yes. Well, I wonder if at some point in the game you're going to get George Ford at 10, Owen Farrell at 12, and Marcus Smith at 15. Ooh, and now, who would be the 12? Sorry, who would be the starting 12? Uh, no, this is, I'm just saying at some point yeah, in yeah. the game. But who would be the starting 12? Start, the 12? starting 12 currently is Ollie Lawrence. Oh, nice. I like that. Well, in the leaked team. Um, but 
Uh, so forget the whole whether it's Ford Farrell, what, what, whatever it is, ten twelve. Do you do 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 you accept the point of view that a second ball player, playmaker, whatever you want to call them, is a necessary part of an international backline? I think I do. Yeah, I think I do. I don't necessarily know if it's at twelve though. Um, but I think yep. I do. I think there's different ways to do it. I mean, you know, Matt Hansen does a lot, doesn't he, off the wing, as you mentioned before. There's another ball player who got my attention earlier on in the week, and I can't remember who that is. But I think 15 is probably your optimum place for insertion into the into the creative roles. Yeah, which yeah. Steve Balthwick used to do at Leicester. He would generally play Freddie Stewart, but occasionally would put Freddie Burns or Charlie Atkinson, after that Charlie Atkinson there. Yeah, I quite like that. Um, and it's tried and tested. I do think, though, your 12 should have another kicking option. Yeah, I'm just thinking of other 12s. Jonathan Dante and Bundyaki aren't, don't, don't particularly kick, but Geordie Barrett does. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Jonathan Dante doesn't kick because, well, he doesn't need to do anything other than carry the ball. Um, and Bundyaki is basically the same as Jonathan, Jonathan Dante. So I completely get both... Get, get both those things. Yeah, I think when you look at South Africa, they have their second playmaker at 15. Mm-hmm. Same with France. Ireland kind of, as you say, spread it around the team a little bit more. Hugo Keenan a bit. Mac Hansen a bit. Mm-hmm. Gary Ringrose a bit. Uh, New Zealand have 12. Geordie Barrett can play. Bowden Barrett, 15. England, as it was against Japan, didn't really have anyone except for George Ford. No, they didn't, did they? Because Freddie Stewart's not really the boy. There's no... Uh, I mean, Elliot Slade. Daly was on the wing. That I think that may have been the thought that he could fulfil that role. Yeah, Elliot Daly can do that role, actually, but it's just a bit more difficult from the wing. So, actually, I'm quite excited about seeing all those playmakers. The only thing is, too many playmakers, not enough carriers. You do need someone to straighten the line. You do need someone to carry hard. A Bundyaki is great in that situation. Um, a, an Esther Hazen is a marvellous addition. You do need that, and I just don't think Tumalangi brings nearly enough. Ollie Lawrence does. Ollie Lawrence is lovely. Marchant, maybe not, and I love Marchant. Mm, I, I wonder. I mean, I, I'd be quite happy if it was Ford, Lawrence, Marchant, come Samoa, come a quarter final with, with Farrell on the bench, ready to change That's exactly uh, change it. things. Exactly I, how I, I go for it. I, I do think, though, it's going to end up being Ford, Farrell, let me Lauren. Let me pose this Farrell question Lawrence to you. Right? Farrell to Lange. Yeah, go on. Think about your your playmakers for England. Your, yeah. Your Ford, your Farrell, your Smith. Okay. Do you think that Smith is a much better fullback than the than the other two? Would you consider either of the other two at fullback? Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I don't think I would put Owen Farrell at fullback. I don't think I would, but I don't see why I, I wouldn't put Marcus Smith at fullback until he's played there. I thought, actually, he's pretty good at fullback. So, I, I mean, Owen Farrell is a pretty versatile player. I mean, he might be more on the Freddie Stewart side rather than the Marcus Smith side, but he can play a bit. He's a, he is a playmaker. Would it? Would it work? Maybe he doesn't have the pace. Maybe he doesn't have the feet for it. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. you can see Smith, I definitely Ford does. I don't think Ford's, but Ford does have good feet. But he's not rap, He's not absolutely rapid in the same way Damien McKenzie is. And with um, 
Smith just being a younger man, he is slightly more explosive. So that's probably that's probably the reason, I guess. What we do, I think part of the reason why that why Smith is at, at fifteen is because we've we've seen it and tried it and it doesn't work. Smith being ten with another playmaker outside him at twelve mm. just doesn't work. Smith Farrell didn't work. Maybe maybe Smith at maybe Smith at fifteen as an option off the bench could work. He's not going to start in a big game over Freddie Stewart, but I, I actually quite like this innovation and this thinking and this is the perfect game to just get loads of players some game time and give it a crack i would love to see in terms of innovation of players a kind of south africa type move george ford uh, imagine you could go back five six seven years and and say to george ford just learn how to pass from a scrum learn how yeah. to be a, learn how to be a nine learn how to um, do what ollie barkley started doing and also matt Gitto played a bit of nine for a while yeah, because doesn't George Ford, when you look at the way he plays and his kind of stature and the, just the way he sees things, he's he would be, if he was French, he would be a classic Petit General. Yeah, I love that idea. I think I, th- I think it's a great idea. Hmm. Very good. Probably tip. a bit late now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when we're two, game, two games from a quarterfinal. Old dog, but, um, old dog, new tricks and all that. Um, So that's the games this weekend, I think. And that's, that's and it, it comes thick and fast again. Why am I thinking that I have something else to say? Why am I thinking there's something... I was assigned work today. Oh, Beardmore & Co, Independent Financial Advisors, pension. If you, if, if, you want your, if you want your pensions reviewed over the World Cup or have a massive lump sum to invest, Beard, Beardmore & Co, Independent Financial Advisors. And uh, I had I had a thought for you, Tim. I can't remember what, what on earth it was. Never mind. It, it will come back. That's what I was going to do. I was going to promote next our next podcast. Now, we spoke about Bill Sweeney and... The gum and um, his array of gambles. It looks like his past is coming back to haunt him, because the RFU Council are well. I can't believe it. The RFU Council actually have something to say. They're no longer the subservient body which they once were. I mean, yes, they are still hopelessly incompetent, but they seem to found some teeth. So we've got the letter uh, sent to the president of the RFU to Mr. Rob Rears, who, sorry, president of the RFU Council. Uh, the president, the I think the, the or if you do have a president or a chairman, it's Tom Aloub, um, and yeah, Bill Sweeney and Tom Aloub are under a lot of pressure. I think this is a real crisis for Bill Sweeney, and we'll be talking about that in one of our next pods. I can't wait yeah, to get into bet. weeds of that, as well as uh, a, a podcast, obviously talking about um, the Rugby World Cup games as they happen. I'm going to be pretty full on busy, so. Um... I'll, I'll drop in on the pods when I can. So uh, tomorrow I'm at France, Namibia in Marseille. Mm-hmm. And then I'm up to St. Etienne on Friday for Argentina, Samoa. And then I'm going to Paris for Ireland, South Africa on Saturday. And then I'm b- back to Lyon for Oof. Wales, Australia on Sunday. Crikey. Now, lots of people have asked me, Tim. I, I mean, it's not as good a Craig David song. Um, <laughs> it's Yeah, it's pretty good. It's but pretty I, will good. Be, I will be chilling on Monday. Well, sorry, you were going to say lots of people have asked you. Have how much have you used your CrossFit grips? I've I've done. Uh, I did a CrossFit session yesterday. Superb! Just a little drop into a box. Uh, yeah, and it was. Uh, I seem to. Well, they love squat cleans in uh, in France. Squat you cleans. Love it. What, you squat love cleans. it down here. Do you want it gone? <laughs> Guess my squat clean yesterday, Tim. Guess what I hit yesterday. One three two. Well done. One three two point five. Well done. Yeah, it's not bad. Good, I, I'm going to get 140 by Christmas. 
And then that's great. Well, is it? Because and then and then work on some of the things you're not as good at. I got. Um, or just keep getting better at the things you're amazing at. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just work on the only things I've got: front, uh, front squat and clean. Although I did manage to link uh, seven muscle ups together today. That's so, impressive. So you know, getting there, getting there. Yeah, that's the shit, man. That's that's good. That's really good. Um, and I've, I've, yeah, I'm, I'm basically picking where I stay. I'm looking at where CrossFit boxes are first, and then and then looking at where near there. It's exactly there what you is. Exactly there what you should be doing camper van spots although i'm not i'm gonna feel horrible after this week because i'm gonna have no time i'm just gonna be traveling and watching rugby oh, which i'm awful. not complaining it's great but next week i'm going to because i will abuse my body over the next few days i'm gonna flog my body next week superb i look forward to hearing all about it so we will reconvene not tomorrow because me and phil are going out for beers tomorrow we'll reconvene friday oh no 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 reconvene after beers no, That's what the no, people want. no, not again, not, <laughs> not again. We'll reconvene before Sunday. Yeah, probably. Um, I mean, it'd be silly not to just do a quick flash pod, a quick just reaction to South Africa Island immediately after kickoff, uh, after full time. Yeah, immediately after kickoff would be useless, but after full time, we'll, we'll we're all over it. Yeah, let's do that. Superb. All, All right. right, mate. Enjoy, friends. Come on, Jay. Bye-bye. Soon. I- Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.